reading from the 18th chapter, the Gospel according to John, beginning with the 28th verse. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What is truth. I'm not entirely certain I can answer that question, but I know what the absence of it looks like, don't you? Here lately, I feel like our nation is mired in the absence of truth. Hopefully that can change. Probably it only changes as people are brought kicking and dragging into the light of the truth because the truth is people don't like truth. People like advantage, right? If we can bend a word to our advantage, if we can spin a word, if we can change the definition of a word on the fly, if we can say, I said that, but that's not what I meant, when we know, in fact, in our heart that we said exactly what we meant, we're just afraid of the ramifications of it, We're not living in truth. Jesus isn't talking about veracity. He's not talking about factual things. He's talking about the elemental idea that there is a reality beyond ours. Because we live in a broken reality. Over and over and over again, and I even did it myself last week, and I thought about this after the service I said, we live in a real world where our offerings are necessary to pay our bills. Dear ones, we don't live in the real world. The real world is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. 
The real world is the unbroken reality where sin and death no longer hold sway over people. Where we don't look for every advantage we can get by speaking whatever word we have to speak to get that advantage. What we call the real world is a false world. A world that's broken and built on lies. It's a world where kingdoms are built on the backs of the poor. Where poor are exploited to pay for rich kids' college education. We call that a lottery. The broken world is a world where things happen and we ignore it because it's not politically expedient for us to be involved. Whether our government or ourselves personally. Because we're afraid to expend the energy it might require to do the right thing. Or we're afraid to look bad to all the smart people in the world if we do the right thing. We live in a world where people look out for themselves first and pretend that they're not. If you want to call that a real world, you can do that. But I've had a taste of the real world and I know better. The real world is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And you can see the difference between the two on display in this text. The holy people of God are willing to offer up an innocent man for the sake of preserving their position. Do you hear that? And people then would have called that the real world. But the real world is the one who goes to the cross for you. The one who dies in love. The servant who offers himself for all, who said, no, 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 you didn't come to serve me, I've come to serve you. The one who lays down his life for you is truth. And the real world is a kingdom of peace and love and doing whatever it takes to maintain both. When Peter talked about Jesus being enthroned, he didn't talk about his cosmic power. He didn't talk about his abilities. He didn't talk about the people that he healed. He didn't talk about any of those things. What he talked about was his death and his resurrection. And Peter said that because he served us in death, God has made him both Lord and Messiah. Lord and Christ. God has made him king. And in Hebrews, the psalmist is quoted as God says to his son, Sit here while I make your enemies a footstool for you. And who are the enemies of Christ? Those who would serve the broken world of profit and gain and personal satisfaction at all costs. Those who would put the dollar over human life. Those who would say that the magic of Christmas is in the buying. Those who would say that the magic of Christmas is an exorbitant credit card debt. We live in a broken, 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 broken world that we call the real world because somehow, somehow, maybe we really don't believe that the kingdom of Jesus is coming. Maybe somewhere back in the back of our heart we think this is all there will ever be. 
And so when we hear Jesus say that His kingdom's not of or from this world, we think Jesus means that we get to die and go to heaven and then be in the kingdom. But that is in no shape, fashion, or form what Jesus has in mind. What Jesus has in mind is for us to know that His kingdom comes into the world from heaven. That His origins are the mind and heart of God and not the mind and heart of people. And dear ones, if it's from the mind and heart of God, I wonder, could we trust the demands of that kingdom? If being part of that kingdom means that we will love God and love our neighbor as ourselves, that we will love our enemies, that we will love those who persecute us, that we will love the unfortunate, that we will love the poor as if they are ourselves, that we will love the broken and the hurtful and the hated and all of those people that the world says it's okay for us to ignore. Can we trust that? I've asked you over and over and over the last few months if you love Him and you've said over and over and over yes. Dear ones, I ask you again, are you still in love with Jesus? Do you still have faith in the risen Christ? Do you still trust Him with your heart? The only question, well, there's actually two questions left in this, but the next one is, are you willing to serve Him? Because over and over what's in front of us is that it's okay for us to serve ourselves. I mean, if I'm wrong, I would love to know. Am I wrong? I see that over and over and over that it's okay for us to put ourselves first. not what our Lord did. That's not what our King did. And maybe that is the real world, to live for ourselves. And to think that getting everything we can out of this life is all there is. And if that's the real world, I don't want anything to do with it. I want to live in the kingdom of Jesus. I want to live in a kingdom that can celebrate a worthless child with a king who puts that worthless child on his lap. There's a real difference there. A real difference. The kingdoms of this world let children starve while they spend billions to kill other human beings. The kingdoms of this world build their authority through violence. The kingdoms of this world build their power on the backs of the poor. The kingdoms of this world build themselves through the shedding of the blood of innocent people. The kingdom of Christ is built on the shedding of the blood of God. The blood of the Son of God. On His giving Himself for us. And for the whole world. And if you want to know what the real world is, that's it. A kingdom where the hearts of human beings mirror the hearts of Jesus Christ. And when we pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that is exactly what we are asking for.
that the human heart would be shaped like the heart of God. And that is truth. And that's why Pilate couldn't understand it, because all Pilate was concerned about was his place and his position. That's why the priests couldn't understand it, because all they were concerned about was their place and their position. But Peter says the one they killed has been made Lord and Christ. You, dear ones, and I have a plain choice before us. Where is our primary allegiance? It's okay to celebrate your country. I put my flag out. I love my country. I love liberty. I don't want Republicans or Democrats telling me how to live. I have a boss. I have a king. His name is Jesus. I vote. I participate in the process and I pray for my nation. I pray for its leaders. Because they've been given authority over me. But the ultimate authority lies in the hands of the risen Christ. And I will tell you right now, I will give up my citizenship in this nation for the kingdom of Jesus. I will give up my citizenship my rights, and all those other things I hold dear if I find and am convinced that they are opposed, that they are opposed to the politics of Jesus and to the kingdom of our Lord. And that's hard for me to say. Because I love my country. But my first citizenship belongs to this one who stood. My first allegiance belongs to this one who stood before the world and said that he was true. Admitted his kingship. And called others to follow him. In doing the things that got him killed. Loving God and loving others. Sometimes that's hard math because it might not fit our party platform. But your kingdom platform better be more important to you than your party platform. Because Jesus demands allegiance. In the first of your Ten Commandments, God said that God is a jealous God. Remember that? Don't be living in split allegiances. Decide today who you will serve, Joshua told the children. So the question that has to be in front of us, if we're going to acknowledge Jesus as king today, are we willing to serve him first? I heard somebody say something one time that at first I thought it was poetic and nice. He said, 
that somehow we have to enthrone Jesus on the seat of our heart. And I thought, wow, that's kind of pretty, and maybe I should do that. But later on, I got to thinking about it, and I realized that what the Bible teaches us is that Jesus is already enthroned, period. I don't create Jesus' kingship by enthroning Jesus in my heart. The only thing I'm able to do is make the personal commitment to serve him as the king that he already is. And if I don't do that, then I make a commitment to be opposed to him. And that's the cold reality. So I ask myself and I ask you, are we willing to serve him? No matter what it might cost us, no matter where he might lead us, no matter who he might call us to love or serve, are we willing to put him first? Simply because he's our king. I invite you to think about that, dear ones. As we stand to sing the hymn, Rejoice, the King is Lord. And if you would like to renew your commitment to Him today, if you would like to renew your commitment to serve Jesus as King, I invite you to come to this altar today and pray that simple prayer and say, I commit to serve you as my King. Search your heart and ponder whether your allegiance is truly with Him. Let us stand and sing. Rejoice, the Lord is King. Number 715.